This is Tyler Lockett, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap. Joining us today is a very special guest who you've heard on the podcast before. You've heard him on the SiriusXM show before. His name is Davis Maddock. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. He's the host of the, I'm, I'm not sure, would you consider yourself, I guess, a host of the Swolecast? Sure. You know, a, co-host. a, co- a co-host, sure. Yeah. Uh, 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 a heckler and a carnival barker over there and also he's a, a, the host of the take cast you can also find him on sports grid on the fantasy football podcast the sports grid fantasy football podcast and fantasy sports today on sports grid tv davis how the hell are you doing brother you know i'm doing i'm doing good man we are we are treacherously close to the beginning of the 2023 nfl season i'm Trying to fire a bunch of best ball drafts, get get all that stuff in. Got some some high stakes drafts coming up, so we are we are really living the dream right now. Has has the flip flitched, or has the flip has the flip switched for you from best ball to season long managed leagues? And just I know I didn't put this on the show sheet, but I'd, I'd be interested just to hear from you any differences that you've observed for me my biggest observation was just how the roster construction is just so different you really got to get your mind in a different headspace it is it is extremely different so i've done one slow main event i think we're in like the 15th 16th round of that right now so it's about done and uh got got a home league draft coming up and we'll probably do like three or four more ffpc main events so we're we're getting there not not fully switched yet i got about probably like a hundred more best ball teams to draft. So we're, we're closing that chapter and beginning the, uh, the season long chapter for sure. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's just, let's talk about a couple, you know, these, these, these takes are kind of just player related takes, but clearly um, from the best ball angle, from the season long angle, whatever, I, I don't think it really matters about your concern regarding Jonathan Taylor. It's this, it's the same for same for everybody. Um, what is your level of concern right now with that situation? What do you think about it? Like, what's your, like, I I know you have some kind of Jonathan Taylor take, like what's your take on this? Yeah. I mean, I think a vast majority of his scenarios have him playing. I don't know. Let's call it, let's call it 14 games or more. Maybe he holds out for a game. Maybe he holds out for two games, but the stakes are too high for him personally of losing a year of service. And you know, we got that report that the team was considering putting him on the non-football injury list, which would mean that he is not going to get the vested year of service time. That is the worst case scenario for him. And it's just really, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think that all these guys should get paid. You know, I, I it's it's definitely something like the the nerds have taken over. The nerds have won. No one wants to pay Jonathan Taylor. No one wants to play <laughs> Derrick Henry. But <laughs> These guys get tackled 300 times a year. Jonathan Taylor is the best player on the Indianapolis Colts offense, you know, relative to other players at his position. So it's unfortunate, but I've seen a bunch of drafts where he's slipping into the third round, the 303, the 304. And you know what? 
you're probably going to lose your fantasy football league anyways. You know, you got an 8.3% chance to win it. Your odds definitely go up if you take the discount on Jonathan Taylor and he plays 17 games. It's, it's, I mean, he was the first overall pick 12 months ago. My question is this about Jonathan Taylor. It's like you talk about even missing games. For me, it's like if you want more money, we're talking about, I mean, he's going to, even if he holds in, he's going to be fine 40K per day. You know, it's like, and then there's the new way after this year, the teams can contest an accrued season for, and it's the quote is failures to perform contract services for a material amount of time. What the fuck is a material amount of time? And like, what could, right. could, couldn't they say like, well, it's a new quarterback. It's a whole new play caller. It's a new head coach. You're in training camp installs happening. That's pretty damn material to me. I just, my take on it is just like, well, I mean, he, I just feel like it's kind of the same as yours. I think he's just going to have to play, you know? And I just, I think if this ADP gets, gets depressed or where, where are you hoping to see the ADP fall to? Do you think it'll get to the third round? I mean, I've taken him, I took him yesterday in a draft at the, so I had the first overall pick and I had Justin Jefferson and I took Chris Alave and then Jonathan Taylor with the first nice. pick of the third round. I've seen, I've seen him go, the latest I've seen him go is the third pick of the third round in these best ball drafts. Now, season long managed, they he's go not going to go, yeah. he's going to go a little bit higher one because people like to draft running backs more, but also quarterbacks go just a little bit later i mean Mm -hmm. this is the earliest we've ever seen quarterbacks go as a group but quarterbacks go a little bit later in non-best ball so he probably like a late second pick but still i mean i still think he's a good pick there yeah all right so i think we're i mean i think we're on the same page he could it could be that this whole situation ends up kind of representing a good value for us the situation in the nfl draft that i hated the most was zach charbonnet going to the seattle seahawks uh just because you know what that could mean or the implications of what that could mean for Kenneth Walker, who we clearly all, or I clearly loved. I'm not sure how you loved KW three or not. Um, what do you make of this man? Now they're all hurt with with Kenneth Walker. It's a groin. His, they don't know, you know, they say he's good. He's going to miss some time. Now Charbonnet, they're saying he's out indefinitely with the shoulder that he got imaging done on yesterday. I haven't seen any reports this morning about what that imaging might've shown. What's your what's your general take on the Seattle running back situation? How are you handling this? So my take would be they're both really good picks where they're going because Seattle runs so much. I think it'll be a classic. You know, if Walker is just good all year, doesn't get injured, I think we're mostly going to see Charbonnet sort of play those DJ Dallas, Travis Homer snaps that we've seen in the past, which means he's got a smidge of standalone value where he goes, ninth, 10th round but obviously massive contingent value because if Kenneth Walker were to get injured, DJ Dallas and um, Kenny McIntosh, I don't think are going to you know step into lead duty roles or anything like that. Seattle is going to run a lot. Seattle is going to run, I think, pretty efficiently. I think their offense is just in general going to have a lot of touchdowns available to the running backs. So I think they're great picks, both where they go, even with these injuries. I mean, Charbonnet's to me from the outside sounds worse. It's important to remember though, Pete Carroll is always an injury optimist. He's such a you know? liar. Yeah, yeah he, liar. he always gives the most optimistic update. Now, groin injury, it's going to be easier to get to a spot where you feel good, right? Kenneth Walker, a week from now, could be like, all right, I'm good to come back to practice. But the chance of a reoccurrence is much higher with a groin than a shoulder because it's not structural, it's it's muscular. So it's just a lot easier for him to step wrong and re-aggravate that. 
But basically, I'm still drafting both of them, and honestly, both of them more now that they're a little bit cheaper. Do you like Zach Charbonnet more than Devon A. Chain? <sighs> yes, yeah, straight up. If I had to choose between the two of them, because he's only got one way competition, right? Uh, a chain has got has to play better, and well, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. just is who he is, but he's got to be better than Mostert. And I mean, we've got yeah. a very long track record of Raheem Mostert being a good NFL player when he's healthy and available. It's just, you know, the the upside with a chain is that Mostert gets banged up and Jeff Wilson Jr. is just a guy. And a chain, I think, is like a better, more spectacular splash play style guy than Charbonnet. So he probably has higher individual weak ceiling. But Charbonnet has a pretty clear path to touches, I think. I think looking back at the conversations we've had, they'll show that, you know, I've, you've been right about stuff. I've been right about stuff. There's been stuff we've been wrong about. Like you, you were more right about Ramondre than I was. Ramondre Stevenson, you've always been on that bandwagon. I see the OU <laughs> helmet behind you. I'm not sure how much that played into we, your. Yeah, we did. We didn't love him that much in Oklahoma. <laughs> Actually, he wasn't really. He wasn't really our favorite guy at yeah. Oklahoma. So, so my question is, it's like, how do you, as a, you know, you came on here last year and said that you know you predicted the huge, huge breakout. Um, the usage was the the usage was certainly there. Like ever, like everything was going right with it. Right now. Does it feel to you with all these dusty old running backs they're bringing in, like Zeke, they bring in Fournette? Like, oh, does it feel to you like they're going to bring in somebody to kind of swindle him a little bit? And where are you right now on Stevenson? So Zeke, I actually think that would be a win for for, uh, for Stevenson if they signed him because he's basically just going to be like passing down back. Maybe they give him a little bit of goal line work here and there. But Fournette, I would basically be like, I don't think I can take Stevenson where he's going because Fournette's got enough juice and the the annoying thing about Fournette, and we, I mean, I saw, I learned this with Ronald Jones when I was all in on him two years ago, is Fournette doesn't really make mistakes. He doesn't really fumble. He never really whiffs a pass yeah. block, and he can play. He's he's good enough at pass blocking and at pass catching to be a third down back, but he's also big and strong enough to be like he can just fill any role. He can be your early down grinder. He can be your third down back. He can do whatever. So that forces. Ramondre into the more specialized role in the offense. Uh, you know, sort of Ramondre goes back to like the Damian Harris role, and then Fournette is playing. And actually, there's that third role in the Patriots offense. The I, I call it like the Rex Burkhead, Shane Vereen role, where it's like third downs and goal line, and you're getting a lot of high value touches. And I'd be worried about Fournette stealing those. So, but on Ramond on Ramondre specifically. I'm, you know, in season long, I'm not, it's been, a, it's been a while since I've been you know, hyper-focused on uh, best ball ADP, but in season long, he's going right at the two, three turn. Are, are you comfortable with him there in PPR? Is, is that about, I mean, it, does that sound right to you? Does it sound high? Does it sound low? It sounds right about right to me right now, based on the knowledge we have, but I, I found him to be a harder click because of the Fournette stuff. Like I, like, if Fournette signs, I think Ramondre is like a fourth round pick uh, right away. Like I think he's, he should go right around where Brees Hall goes maybe. And uh, the other thing is on a lot of my teams, Tony Pollard is the guy I've drafted the most this year. So a lot of the times I don't need a running back. Like oh, actually a lot of the times I'm needing a wide receiver right there. I'm needing a Metcalf, a Debo, a Ridley, a T Higgins. So I, I'm not taking a ton of Ramondre. Yeah, and and the, 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 like that sounds more bet. Like if you're talking about the T Higgins stuff, it's like that's that's best ball land, right? I think in the season long leagues, if you go 
some something like that and take you know you know reach a little bit on Pollard. Sometimes Olave and Jalen Waddle and stuff fall to that two three turn. Um, yes. Okay. So uh, what about uh, speaking of Olave? Do you are are you into him? Like I just feel like with the New Orleans Saints, it's easy to paint a rosy picture for a whole lot of these guys. You know whether it's Kendra Miller super late in drafts, whether it's you know, maybe betting on the situation with Alvin Kamara coming to a head this week and not being as bad as people suspect with him going to visit Roger Goodell and speak with him personally. Michael Thomas is back in full pads. Dennis Allen yesterday was talking about how it's been so encouraging to see him looking like himself. Of course, Olave, you know, he's Olave. Um, there's, I don't know. It, feel, it feels like there's a lot of places you can look with this Saints offense. Are you into any of them? And if there's one Saint you like best, who would that be? The one saying I like best is actually Rashid Shahid. Um, I mean, he's okay, just like so, he's just like okay. stone free. Yeah. So the way there, and the reason why, obviously, if he is the Saints wide receiver three, I don't think you want him. But Michael Thomas hasn't played a full season since like you know 2019 or whatever. So he is the immediate fill in, and it's also a little bit of like a difference between season long managed and best ball because. Season long, you're never really going to know when to start Shahid, right? It'll be like, he, he'll be the classic Lee Evans. Oh, he got, he got 18 points on three touches and he's on my bench. But in best ball, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. You just get it uh, whenever, he, whenever he does. And an, another thing that I like about him is he is, uh, there's absolutely no threat that he is not active on game day. No threat for him, be, like none of that stuff, because he's going to be their kick and punt returner because Deontay Hardy is on the Buffalo Bills now. So I, I think he's he's sort of like um, Saints McCole Hardman is is how I would compare him, but like with a full-time role. I mean, Shahid last year. Yeah, has, but Shahid's been better than Hardman. I oh, mean, I know, totally. Hardman, I know Hardman's faster, but sh- or is he fast? Like, I, I don't have Shahid's I, num- numbers pulled up, but he's pretty fast, actually. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, Shahid's she, she, actually had some some blow-up games, and they and they happen more – They don't, you know, they felt like they happened a little bit more frequently than we saw from McCole Hardman. I mean, at the end of the year, starting in week 11 – Shahid was just a full-time player. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember what happened to the Saints roster at that point. They must have had someone get hurt because he went from being like 13% of the snaps, 15% of the snaps, that he was just he was just a full-time player. And I mean, if you remove Michael Thomas from the equation, which is basically the mental math that I'm doing there, I mean, why can't he have like an 85, 90 target season with like pretty good efficiency? Another thing I like about the Saints is they have 11 dome games because of their schedule. So I, just, I mean, I just like having guys, and they they also have the easiest. I mean, based on last year's stuff, they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. You want to win your fantasy draft? No, I mean, like, really? Do you really, really, really want to win your fantasy draft? Because you can win your fantasy draft with the RosterWatch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet, available at RosterWatch.com. It's the revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever, and it's the only tool you'll need this draft season. You've heard Roster Watch live on Sirius XM Radio here on the podcasts from all the NFL training camps. Now all you have to do is follow the three simple rules at the top of the sheet of paper using the Roster Watch cheat sheet. That's it. Three rules. An extra quality draft is guaranteed if you follow the three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Ultimate Draft Cheat Sheet. You can't afford to draft without it. It's available now and only at rosterwatch.com. Help me with this. I want you to help me rank these three players that in season long leagues, it feels like they're starting to have movement to where they're coming together with 
and I can see why with Javante, because here's the thing. Javante Williams is moving up because he's he's cleared and he's he's he's, he's cleared for contact. James Conner feels I don't I don't know why it feels like he's moving up, but he is. Um, and then the same is true for Rashad White and David Montgomery. I don't know what the steam is on Montgomery on Montgomery, but I do know it feels like the steam on Rashad White is that there's basically a a clear RB two battle behind him going on between Keyshawn Vaughn and Sean Tucker. And it's like, nobody even talks about the fact that it's like Rashad White's just the undisputed starter. So between those four guys, how do you rank them? If you're looking to pick up your running back in season long managed leagues and maybe, you know, maybe your RB two in round six or so, like how, how do you, um, how do you stack them up? Yeah, I actually like Montgomery best. I mean, they paid him three years, $18 million. I think Gibbs probably starts his career as sort of, sort of the role that Swift played, you know, pace and space, passing downs, 30% of the snaps. But I, I think Montgomery should be the favorite for the goal line work. And they've also sort of talked him up as like a pass catcher. I don't know how much they'll actually do that. But, I, I mean, he showed the ability to do that when given those oh, yeah, yeah. giant snap shares in Chicago. Then probably Javante, just because it seems – and I know that practice clip of him the other day with that bulky knee brace on looks so brace. bad. big brace. It's a big brace, yeah. But, I mean, he's ahead of schedule, right? I mean, the, sure. the expectation would have been for him to be on the physically unable to perform list, but he's out there. He's practicing. doesn't mean he can't get put on it. But And and all the Denver beats, and I've got issues with the Denver beats. They've missed a lot of stuff that has uh, killed me in the past. But <laughs> all the beats say, you know, one of the things the, the new coaching staff is doing to get Russell Wilson to just complete more passes and take less negative plays is throwing way more to the running backs, which is something they started doing last year before Javante got injured. Then they kind of weeded that out of the offense. But I, I mean, I think Javante could see by the time, by like week six, seven, full health, you know, his knees feeling good. He could be a 15 carry, four and a half target per game guy. Then, I mean, to me, Rashad White and James Conner are the same dude, right? It's, it's basically just like a guy who projects to get. 70 75 percent of the work they feel more really. dead zony than the others it's just like you know they're going to be on terrible teams their teams are not going to score points their teams are going to struggle to complete passes like now if kyler's ahead of schedule if kyler's back in week five then you'll feel dumb for passing on james connor all off season but if it's week nine and kyler's still on the sideline wearing the headset instead of suited up and colt mccoy and clayton toon are running the offense then you know you're get you're just going to get a lot of 19 carry 64 yard and weeks where James Conner scores a touchdown. He'll be a guy you wanted to start and weeks where he didn't, you won't want to have started him. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah, well, that's a, that's a brutal way to spin it, but that I, you could definitely see that occurring. Um, what about these wide receivers? If you could help me rank these guys, uh, Calvin Ridley, who's just, I mean, it feels like there's not, I mean, the helium and with this dude has been unlike anything I can really remember. And I, I mean, I, I can sort of see why, I mean, the clips look good, but it, it is just clips from practice. Um, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, who we haven't seen as much from because he's been, he's been out and hurt. And then Debo Samuel feels like the quarterback situation at least looks a little bit better than we would, we would have anticipated for the 49ers at this point. Yeah. Debo, I, I just, he has to be first because Fantasy football is a weekly game and Debo Samuel is going to have project way more often for 25 more 30 or more fantasy points. Like it just is what he is. He is a big play guy. And also he, I mean, every year of his career, he's, he's outpaced whatever his touchdown projection 
was based yeah. on where he got his touches on the field. Ridley would be second for me. Honestly, I wish I could give you a really smart, intelligent, well-reasoned <laughs> thing for it, but it's just the training camp clips look so good. Like he looks <laughs> all he looks all the way back. He really does. I mean, the, so the clip the clip of Zay Jones running the route and then Ridley running the route and people are like, "Oh, he rounded his and I'm like, "Dude, I don't care." That sort of foot frequency and that head fake, I mean, that is you can't mm-hmm. teach that. That is all pro, all world level stuff. And, you know, if Trevor Lawrence, and he, he got a lot better year two over year one, if he is, I mean, he was the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. He was, you know, unquestioned number one overall pick. Like if he takes another step, that whole offense is going to look way better. Ridley could be like 130, 140 targets and a really efficient offense. And then Cooper for sure is number three there. I just don't. I just don't really like Amari Cooper's situation. I, one, I think Elijah Moore is really good. That doesn't seem to be that popular of an opinion anymore, but I think Elijah Moore is going to eat into his target share. Yeah. And another thing is that Browns stadium is in, you know, Northeastern Midwest. The it's wind right is the lake. The wind is a real, it's a real yeah. problem. Like there was three games last year where the total for a Browns home game got, I want to say below 34. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's bad. Those guys were unplayable in those games. In in anybody in those games, just like 40 mile per like 40 mile per hour sustained winds and stuff. Like who can live like that? Um, okay, he's he's Davis Maddock again. You can find and that's spelled M-A-T-T-E-K. If you didn't know, you can find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock. Of course, you can see him on the Fantasy Sports Today show on Sports Grid TV, also the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast along with the Swole cast and along with the Take cast. Again, you can find links to all that stuff on Davis's Twitter. And please make sure and go give him a follow uh, at Davis Maddock. All right, Davis, we got uh, two, two big questions for you before you get out of here. Same question I ask you every year. You got to tell me one guy this year who's, who will, like you're sure. It's a, it's a, 100, it's a 100% fact. It's just going to happen. A guy that's going to smash at his ADP. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a cop-out, so I'll give you two. The first one is Tony Pollard. I think everyone just sort of universally agrees with that. I I mean, the Cowboys had 529 rushing attempts available to running backs last year. So even if they sign Kareem Hunt, even if they bring Zeke back, even if they're giving Malik Davis some goal line carries or whatever, I just do not think it matters. Pollard is going to have the most touches of his career this year. He is a distant scorer, very similar to Debo Samuel. He's also a little bit bigger than people think there's sort of this yep. narrative that he's like uh oh i mean this guy's like jameer gibbs he's 195 pounds or no he is he was came in the league at 208 he's like two, he's, also, he's like 212 or 215 now or something yeah he he is and he also i think another thing is every year of his career before this he knew what his job was going to be which was he was going to be a spellback he was going to be third downs he was going to be catching passes he's had six months now to train his body to be ready to get tackled 300 times this year. I think he's going to be ready for it. I, I think Pollard is going to completely kill it. I I'm super excited for him. And then, uh, cause that one's so easy. I'll give uh, Tyler Lockett as the the 32nd wide receiver off Dude. the board. I mean, it's just, it's I, just I agree with your takes this year, Davis. I really do. This is great. I, yeah. I mean, I, Lockett I is just going to smash. I, I yeah. Think it, yeah. But I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to inter- it, to interrupt no, you're you're right. It's, it's really just as simple as Lockett has been discounted each of the last three years because uh, what, first it was Metcalf, then it was uh, Geno Smith and Age, and now it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
And I mean, I think JSN can be a guy who earns some targets down the stretch and maybe plays a little bit earlier than we think. But I mean, the, the offense is just going to be good. It's just going to be efficient. We, we've already seen Gino play at a pretty high level. And even when Gino started to drop off in the second half of the season, he started so strong the first eight weeks of the season and then dropped off. It didn't really impact Lockett's range of outcomes all that much. In fact, he had his biggest game of the season in a game that Gino played pretty bad against uh, against the Rams in week 13. Like, I, I just am not worried about Tyler Lockett. All right. And now the other side of the coin. So just like a certainty. This is absolutely going to a fact. It's certain. This guy at his current ADP is going to bust. Busto. Do not draft list. Absolute worst pick you can make in fantasy. This is uh, this is a little bit harder. I mean, the first one, probably the same one that I had last year, actually. If I had to go back, I think it was probably Najee Harris. But <laughs> Najee Harris is the, is the running back 13. Um, we saw this happen with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Year three for a first-round running back, if they haven't been very good, the team is basically just done giving them touches because they were a first-round pick. We got Jalen Warren, who looked really good in limited action last year. Also think the Steelers are probably going to be a little bit more pass-heavy this year, year two for Pickett. You know, and they have these two really good wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. They have a tight end they really like. So that would be uh, the uh, the number one. And then I, I love the player, love DJ Moore, always have. But I just do not see enough available targets to find a reason to take him over Brandon Ayuk, over Deontay Johnson, over Chris Godwin, over the two Seattle guys. Like it just just feels like he's going about 10 spots too high. 